Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow-detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at H&M.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot? Do your thing however you cha-ching with Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash offer 23. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow-detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at H&M.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. Not only have I been the owner of Mint Mobile for the last few years, I've also been a customer. I don't know if you knew this, but anyone can get the same premium wireless for $15 a month plan that I've been enjoying. It's not just for celebrities, so do like I did and have one of your assistant's assistants switch you to Mint Mobile today. I'm told it's super easy to do at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow-detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at H&M.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds, owner of Mint Mobile, with a message for everyone paying big wireless way too much. Please, for the love of everything good in this world, stop. With Mint, you can get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Of course, if you enjoy overpaying, no judgments, but that's weird. Okay, one judgment. Anyway, give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. By not properly intervening, we are creating a, a scenario where those illnesses are going to run rampant and just progress quickly. But then also we're being put on tons of medications that are completely fat, flattening our affect and also causing side effects for us. So, I mean, these medications aren't benign, yeah. but we're so willing to take them and dole them out. But everyone seems to be afraid of hormones unjustifiably. girl, imagine a life where you feel supported, connected, and understood. I get it. Being a mom is hard, especially when you're spinning so many plates. We exhaust ourselves trying to create the perfect life for our family. You deserve to enjoy your family without the stress perfectionism brings. 
On this podcast, I provide practical and relatable life experiences. I teach women quick and easy-to-use strategies to help them reclaim their identity, reignite their marriage, and enjoy their children. If you're ready to be challenged, then pull up a chair, grab a pen and paper, because it's about to go down. I'm Veronica Cisneros, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is the Empowered and Unapologetic Podcast. Hello, welcome to Empowered and Unapologetic. I'm your host, Veronica Cisneros. Today's guest is a dynamic professional on a mission to change the face of women's health and wellness. Ladies, grab your pen and paper because you are definitely going to want to take notes because she has more than 25 years of experience in the medical field, both on the pharmaceutical side and in clinical practice. And she is an internationally recognized authority on women's hormonal health. She understands the range of health issues women face and is enthusiastic about educating patients on the realities of the risk factors of hormonal health imbalances. So please help me by welcoming Dr. Angela DeRosa. Hey. Hey, Veronica. Thank you so much for that just enthusiastic, warm welcome. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm not going to lie. I have a pad and paper, a pen and paper <laughs> right next to me because I'm totally going to be taking notes. Um, so one of the biggest issues I find most women have is we don't, for one, we don't ever take time for ourselves. And very rarely, we very rarely do we go to the doctors. Very rarely do we maybe even go to dental visits. Our kids are on time. Our kids are, you know, have their vaccinations, immunity, everything. Everything with regards to immunization is on point. However, when it comes to us, we tend, I don't want to say to to fall back, but yeah, we we tend to neglect our health. Yeah, we deprioritize ourselves. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I speak from experience. I'm not saying that. <laughs> you know, I might have a sprained foot right now, but you know, we're not, this isn't about me. This isn't about me. Um, so what would you say? Well, before we even get into that, what got you into this field? Like, so what's I your story? This field very, very personally, because um, I always say in life, as I'm sure you're aware with your own personal journey and then talking to thousands of women, I'm sure is that it's often that personal crisis or something that can lead to a mission. And mine came in the form of not only a personal, but a professional crisis as well. When I was in medical school in my residency in my mid-20s, I started experiencing perimenopausal symptomology of hot flashes, night sweats, depression, weight gain, mood swings, all the typical symptoms. And it wasn't until hindsight 2020 where we had an opportunity to look back, but I was experiencing perimenopausal symptoms and went through full-blown menopause at the age of 35. So I was one of those 10% of women who had premature ovarian failure. But what was, when you look back at the experience, however, is that I was seeking help from my colleagues and medical professionals. And I was patronized and demeaned and treated with like, oh, there, there, sweetheart, it's all in your head nonsense, or you're in residency in medical school, you must be under stress and try to work through it, go on a date night, eat better, exercise, all the typical nonsense we tell patients that really have little effect. And what I really needed, though, at the time was hormones. And that was what helped me transition through perimenopause and manage through all the complications that were occurring. 
And when, and I'm sure women who are listening to this program, they get this all the time when they finally do get brave enough, or if they take Mm -hmm. the time for themselves and they go in to talk to their clinicians about what they're experiencing. If a man were to walk in with the same symptomology, they would be taken very seriously and a full workup would begin. We are basically patted on the head and said, there, there, sweetheart, here's your antidepressant and sent on our way. So um, it became a mission of mine, not only to help myself get better, and I've experimented and done more damage in the name of science, learning all about this over the last 25 years, but also to ensure that not one woman who came to see me would ever be treated like that again, because women overall know their bodies they know when something's wrong and it, they, they almost have a BS detector when they know they're not getting the yeah. answers they need. And we get dismissed all the time and it gets frustrating because they don't know where to turn. And oftentimes they look at the internet or their girlfriends and yeah. the profession's not helping them. So you wrote a book, How Your Doctor is Slowly Killing You, A Women's Health Survival Guide. All right. So <laughs> didn't win any friends with that one. <laughs> <My profession. laughs> so for me, I'm, I'm actually looking for a new doctor because I feel like, you know, being in the military, we moved a lot. And so I had to switch doctors and I was trying to make sure I'd always try to make sure like, okay, make sure, you know, you have to, you have to get a mammogram, um, or you have to, I, there was a lump. And so it's something that we're keeping track of every single year. Um, and I've had it forever. Um, but just wanting to make sure it's not growing and things like that. And then me making this mental note, because I would switch a doctor or I had a fatty liver and I'm not like tequila shots all day, but I have a fatty liver, you know, and I don't even take, um, medication, but I still have a fatty liver. And then I also have a, a polyp in my gallbladder. So I'm saying all of these things because I'm keeping a personal mental note when I switch doctors of, hey, here's what I need to make sure you know of so you can write up a report, write up a referral so I can continue ensuring that it's nothing's growing or nothing's changing. Mm-hmm. However, I'm finding myself really stuck with finding a health professional who actually quite frankly gives a shit you know um i i went in for sprained ankle and it's like okay well i'll get you that referral and then it never happens so my question to you is how what what's the process to find a doctor that will meet our needs yeah well and you, you bring up one of the greatest failures of our medical profession now i mean even the last 20 years i've noticed a slow steady decline and kind of segregation we're not there we used to have the old family physician who looked at all of our needs Everything. now you get referred here you get referred there yes. nobody in medical professions when i moved to phoenix I, I i trained in chicago and we always spoke to one another if i had one of their patients i would call them and we talk about it that doesn't happen anymore so you have segregation of specialties you have referrals going out the physicians and specialists aren't communicating so patients get divvied into body parts and nobody's looking at a big picture yeah and one of the things that i've learned overall in particular when you start to deal with perimenopause and menopause and hormonal imbalances in general you often need someone to look at the overall picture because you can have those hormone deficiencies be root drivers for a lot of different things Mm -hmm. but if they let's say i go talk to you because i'm depressed but that could be a testosterone deficiency symptom or i'm going to see um, another specialist for bone loss because I um, and that could be a deficiency of estrogen and testosterone, or I'm starting to have 
um, hot flashes or mood swings or vaginal dryness and you start going to see OB-GYN and next thing you know, you got five specialists or you're having palpitations and you go see a cardiologist for a stress test and all that. And nobody's putting together the big picture. So it becomes really important to have that advocate, someone who is going to look at that big picture and notoriously, your family physician or your internist is supposed to be that person, but even they have started to fail in that regard. But overall, they are really good at looking at conventional medical things. Of, let's make sure you got your immunizations. Let's make sure you had your stress test, your mammogram, all those different things. But I have found that the majority of your traditional internist family practice or doctors as, and women's and gynees in particular they dismiss the role of hormones. They're not really giving them a serious um, thought in uh, symptom complexes. So they're not even on their radar consideration. So, but the other thing that's interesting is medicine as we stand now is very illness-based, meaning we wait till people get sick and then we treat and we don't intervene before that. So So I tell my patients, so for instance, let's say an endocrinologist, they're going to look at blood tests and you're going in there for all these hypothyroid symptoms. And you clearly have the symptom complex, you're physically showing hypothyroidism, but your one lab test says you're okay per reference range. The endocrinologist may dismiss you and wait till you're really sick with that low thyroid before they intervene. Whereas an integrative specialist of functional medicine or someone like myself, we're going to intervene when things are slowing down before you, you take on the full board illness. So it becomes almost a philosophy of thought. So when you're looking for doctors who can help you with hormonal care or a overall broader picture, you're starting to see more integrative specials, functional medicine. There's a lot of folks who still use that anti-aging term, which I really don't like. It's brought about restoring and creating optimal health and not allowing us to get to the point where we're so sick, where traditional medicine is then largely intervening. So um, when you seek out your doctors, first and foremost, like I said, trust your gut and trust your instinct. If you're going in to talk to someone and they're disregarding you or or not even talking to you, I mean, that's a problem. Um, and the, the book actually goes and outlines different red flags. If someone says this to you, you probably need to walk out the door or things to look for in clinicians. But there are, you can't count on your traditional ob in most cases to manage your hormones and understand your hormones because they're not going to be specialists in there. They're surgeons, they deliver babies, they get basic understanding of hormones, just like your general doctor. So it becomes important to know what you're really looking for. So if you're looking for a hormone specialist, go find that person. Don't trust your traditional doctor to be that person um, because oftentimes they're not going to be open to that or they may give you some bad information, which is even worse than no information. So for primary care managers, so you're for your primary doctor, who am I looking for? Because I don't know. Am I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking at who accepts my insurance and it's like, okay, well, they seem cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and that, not to say that there's not great, there's tons of wonderful family practice doctors and they can manage a lot of your basic needs. And, but guess where, and that may be where you would, if you have someone who can manage like your, your pap smears and all those basic needs. That's wonderful. But I would make sure that they're open if you're struggling with hormone deficiency symptoms or problems, that they're open to hormone therapy, that they're willing to dialogue with someone, let's say like myself. Um, I am in a unique position because I'm an internist and a hormone specialist. I could manage the whole breadth of things. But if you have someone you really like or trust, or you found someone who can manage your basic care needs, that's wonderful if you could have a good relationship to them. But just be cognizant that your general person is not going to always 
have enough information to properly advise and guide you when it comes to hormone management. And that's where you would seek out someone to kind of layer on top of that. Okay. So you would have your primary doctor and then you would also have a hormonal specialist. So you would have both. Right. Or in some cases, I mean, there's a lot of great functional medicine doctors who can take on that are integrative specialists or like in my clinic, we manage both. So there are a group of us that are able to do preventative care and hormonal care, but in the basic constraints of the overall and what's most likely to happen though, is if you can find a really good primary, that's at least open to having you work with a hormone specialist, that's the ideal scenario. Okay. And then what, so when we go in for our first appointment, what are some red flags? <laughs> when they say that they're there, sweetheart, it's all in your head. <laughs> so first off, if they have their hand on the door and ready to leave the second they walk in the room, I mean, if they're not engaging in eye contact, if if they don't even give you a chance to tell your story, so if they're basically interrupting you right off the bat, if they disregard your symptoms and don't make you feel understood or that they're apathetic to your needs, um, if they're immediately suggesting antidepressants for any kind of symptoms that may be broader and bigger than that. Or, so I'm always, look, that's, that's really been the most, one of the alarming things to me is when men walk in with symptom complexes of testosterone deficiency, low libido, lack of energy, lack of endurance, lack of mental acuity, that's taken very seriously by doctors. They'll work them up really quickly. Or if they walk in with cardiovascular symptoms, they'll end up getting stress tests and all the things quickly. A woman walks in with similar things they got, oh, okay, you need to see a psychologist or an antidepressant or, um, and I've seen this happen all the time where a lot of women walk in with cardiovascular kind of more vague symptomology and they're totally disregarded until they have a heart attack. So you have to advocate for yourself and, um, and really, if you know something's wrong, push till you get the right answers because you may be dismissed. So what, I, I agree with you. I see that in the clinical field. With regards to um, patients, they'll come in and they'll tell me, you know, I'm having heart palpitations. And yeah, I can automatically say, okay, well, this is this person suffering from anxiety, you know, or um, my stomach's hurting also could be anxiety related. You know, it's difficult for me to get up out of bed. Okay, now we're looking at possible depression, lack of interest, possible depression. And right away, it's the first question I often ask is, when was the last time you had a physical? Because I can, I can pass out diagnoses like no tomorrow, as I'm sure any other, you know, any doctor can as well. However, if they're not, if they have not had a physical, then it might be something that's not, you know, it's not mental health related. It might be something that really needs to be addressed. And here's what's really interesting too. When you start to think about things that women are commonly diagnosed with, depression, fibromyalgia. I mean, those two things we get labeled with all the time. But as women move through their 30s and start to move through perimenopause, we lose our testosterone, which is actually our most abundant hormone. And testosterone deficiency leads to a serotonin imbalance, which will lead to new onset mood disorders and anxiety, panic. Um, so if they've traditionally been able to cope and manage and all of a sudden there's an abrupt change in their 30s and late early 40s, it's most likely due to testosterone deficiency. And testosterone deficiency, as I said, again, it's our most abundant hormone, but it also can cause muscle aches and pains. Um, it can cause sleep disturbances. It can cause, um, the, as I said, the depression. So then all of a sudden now they're thinking, okay, you got muscle aches and pains, you got depression, your sleep, so you must have fibromyalgia. Yeah. And then, then, uh, then they get labeled and then they're, lab- then they're off on this bad path. 
But what's also interesting is testosterone, since it affects serotonin so dramatically, it, as you're probably well aware and knowing what you know, is that only 5% of our serotonin is in our brain. The other 95% of our receptors are in our gut. So you start mm-hmm. to see IBS or IBD type symptomology associated mm-hmm. with it, which only confounds and supports the diagnosis of fibromyalgia when it's most likely a, a testosterone deficiency and or coupled with thyroid imbalances and or vitamin D or all three. Yeah. What are some what are some questions you could give us to ask our doctors when we're going in for a first time visit? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think you need to know what your goal is first up and foremost with that visit. If you're going just for a basic hist- uh, um, physical exam and you want to get caught up in all your preventative things, I mean, I think you would just say, you know what, I'm for my age and all my family risks, what do we need to be looking at for preventative standpoints? Are there things that we missing that we need to catch, catch up on? If you're having the uh, symptoms of potential hormonal um, uh, deficiencies, or you're just or maybe thyroid, testosterone, estrogen, or any of those complexes, or something's just not right. I would also ask, is it is it possible to evaluate my hormones? And are you a specialist in that area where you're not going to just look at reference labs? Because again, if you don't know a lot about hormones, you may misinterpret those reference ranges inappropriately and, and give the patient a false answer of you're fine. So I would want them to know what is their background and experience and hormones. Are they comfortable ordering them and, and treating appropriately? And if not, um, would they be comfortable working with someone who, who does and collaborating mm-hmm. so that you can get the best care that you deserve? I'm totally taking notes, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. It went from you to just me. <laughs> and it's usually all about me. I don't know about this. <laughs> no, this is great. Okay, so I'm asking my doctor if they're open to um, what's their background in working with hormones. Do they feel comfortable with providing, you know, um, the results of an assessment? Okay. Um, uh, and are they going to be just adhering to traditional? Th- I mean, the go- the key is to try to find out, is that person really going through the traditional dogma of, oh, hormones cause breast cancer, or um, which is not true um, when done, when properly done, or that they, you can, you can almost get a sense that they have a stigma toward it, or if they're just going to manage, and if they just say, okay, I can manage your estrogen and we'll get you on progesterone, but they make no mention of testosterone in women, you know, they don't know enough. So they, they should have an acute awareness that testosterone is our most abundant hormone. So if you start going down that path and all they're suggesting is estrogen and progesterone, there's definitely a problem and an outage. Okay. Okay. And you just confirmed that I'm going to put down my notepad and paper and push pause on this recording every so often. <laughs> just take notes <laughs> from there. Because I don't want to, I don't want to limit the amount of information you're providing all of us. So I'm just going to ask a whole bunch of questions. Ladies, get ready. And a lot of this is all in the book too. So it's, yes, you don't have to feverishly take notes. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. So how, so point blank, how is our doctor slowly killing us? Well, and I use that sentence flippantly to some degree because I was trying to draw attention to it. But what it really means, and and this is my colleagues weren't necessarily happy about it, but I tried to explain to them, first off, we always have to have our own sense of humor about ourselves and our limitations. But it's not that doctors intend to slowly Mm -hmm. kill women, but because of ignorance or misinformation or lack of understanding, they are slowly killing women. Because if you look at it this way, so if I present, like just like I did when I was in my mid-20s, with hot flashes, night sweats, depression, anxiety, sleep disturbances, 
Um, my cholesterol was all out of whack. I, I was having heart palpitations due to estrogen deficiency. So all of these symptoms actually relate back to one of those deficiencies. And um, But instead of giving me, say, estrogen and testosterone and progesterone and thyroid, which is what my body needed and it was screaming for, I was put on a lipid medication, an antidepressant, a beta blocker to slow down my heart, mm-hmm. and a sleeping pill. And it was like by the time I was 30 years old, I was on four to six medications to control nice. symptoms. And those medications aren't without side effects. Yeah. And what you're also is missing the opportunity to intervene and create optimal health because if you don't have optimal balance of those hormones, you're at risk for cancer development. You're at risk of developing cardiovascular disease, diabetes, osteoporosis, and all of these other chronic illnesses, cognitive um, dementias. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, which will kill women prematurely. And so by not properly intervening, we are creating a a scenario where those illnesses are going to run rampant and just progress quickly. But then also we're being put on tons of medications that are completely flattening our affect and also causing side effects for us. So it. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard horror stories of women who have taken Ambien just to sleep when they need estrogen. And they've yeah. driven a, a colleague of mine got in a car with her daughter and got arrested and lost her license because she was sleepwalking in the middle of the night with Ambien. So, I mean, these medications aren't benign, yeah. but we're so willing to take them and dole them out. But everyone seems to be afraid of hormones unjustifiably. Okay. Um, here's a question. How often should we see our doctor as women and what would what should we be seen for? So I'm under the impression once a year you get your you know your physical and that's about it. I don't know if that's a hundred percent if I'm on if I'm on the right track. Yeah, I think it's really kind of age dependent and risk dependent. So I, I hate to overgeneralize. I mean, I think it's always nice to have your annual physicals and make sure everything's up to date. I think that's a good overall benchmark. But there may be times where you need to be seen more often. So if, if, if I have a young person who's in their 20s and they just need to come in for their pap smears, I check in with them, make sure there's nothing going on, check their blood pressure. I mean, that's going to be a very different person than, say, if I have a 60-year-old with a lot of chronic diseases and medical management where I may have to see them every month, every three months, every six months. But your average patient, so let's say someone in your females, 40s and 50s, who have very little medical problems, minimum of yearly, but if we're starting to intervene with hormonal management in the first year, I'm seeing them every a month after I see them and then every three months and then every six months is my my target just to manage their hormones properly. But for your preventative maintenance, unless there's something compelling in your family history, I think yearly is appropriate. Okay. Yeah. Most of our audience is in that range from 35 to about 45 years old. So, yeah, when things start to go awry, right? <laughs> because most 90% of women are going to start to show testosterone deficiency symptoms mid-30s and then followed by estrogen deficiency symptoms in their 40s. And the second a woman has a hot flush, she's already testosterone deficient. And as I've alluded to, and I know you had a guest on previously that talked about menopause, but I don't know if she discussed the very much importance in the role of testosterone but it's an often missed hormone for women because it's assumed we don't make any when it's actually more abundant than our estradiol. Mm-hmm. What should we, or should we start taking vitamins right now? What should we do just to keep us, to preserve what we got? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, again, it's interesting is that when I first started doing this 25 years ago or so, 
I mean, men, the average age of menopause was clearly in the 50s. Now I think it's more like mid 40s. And there's so many environmental things that I think are contributing to it. I mean, we've got antibiotics in our food. We've got radiation and environmental chemical exposure that God knows what's in our water. Um, we've got cell phones. Who knows what that implication is? And we poor diets. We don't exercise. We're doing all these things that are putting us have very poor health. So I think it starts with basics like getting good nutrition, getting proper exercise. I mean, you don't have to go on a marathon, but get out and move and move the body and get it used to doing that. And also a good multivitamin. Vitamin D is very essential. Um, even when you look at some of the COVID studies when everyone's all worried about vitamin D, vitamin C, those are really helpful in keeping our immunities up. Um, making sure you have proper calcium. So getting all those basic nutritional things met um, are very important. And one of the bigger things too, which is almost next to impossible, is stress reduction. We mm -hmm. our, our bodies constantly think we have T-Rex chasing us every day and trying to find ways to not eliminate, because it's almost impossible to eliminate stress, but coping. You go to yoga, go to your spa with your girlfriends, check out. Go, I mean, find your ways to unplug and recharge. So that's important. But then also making sure you're getting your preventative things. Don't pass on them. Don't, I've seen women who've missed their mammograms for several years on end, and all of a sudden they're sitting there with a lump in their um, uh, breast that could have been dealt with. Or get your colonoscopies. I mean, although they're a pain in the ass, literally and figuratively, <laughs> <laughs> you want to do it. And so making sure you're doing all those proper things. And then from my standpoint, I think hormones are such a root it's basically the, the drivers of our engine and our body. They're drivers of so many cellular functions, making sure those are balanced because when those become imbalanced, not only do they feel like crap, but our bodies start to slowly disintegrate and age more rapidly. So I think it's important to make sure you keep those in balance. Okay. All right. So making sure our, it, it sounds like just general, making sure that whoever our primary care manager, whoever our doctor is, that there is, there is this, this good feeling, this good connection with, you know, how um, receptive they are to our needs. Absolutely. Um, it's like a marriage. I think it's important. You have to have a good relationship because it is a very important relationship. And if you have the wrong person in that role, it could be detrimental to your lifelong health. All right. So let's say I'm on Google, right? And I'm looking in my area, girl, right? No, well, not that, not the, no, no, I would never, do not ever go on WebMD, do not ever go on Google to read any, or to look up any of your symptoms. Do not do that because you will be, you will self-diagnose yourself with everything. But where I was going, let's say I go on Google, right? And I'm trying to find a doctor, what should I type in there? Like, am I talk, typing doctor in Temecula or is there a certain name? Like, what would be your title? Yeah. So if I, so if you type in my name, I mean, Dr. Hotflash will come, I mean, <laughs> but no, so you want to look for hormone special. So I would probably keyword in like hormone specialist, integrative medicine, functional medicine, uh, so, I mean, if you're looking for just basic primary care, you can find a lot of those folks just by zip code and going to your local hospital systems. But if you're really looking at someone who wants to look at optimal health, I would be looking for those integrative functional hormonal specialists um, that spe that can do that piece of it if you want to layer it on top of your trusted primary care or to use them as your overall if they s suggest in their profiles once you do narrow it down that they offer primary care services as well. Okay. 
All right. So, okay. So what was they called? Integrative? Integrative, restorative medicine. Okay. um, Optimal health, functional medicine, hormone specialists. I mean, all of those will generate some better results than just doctor in your area. Okay. Ladies, are you ready for a new challenge? I've heard you. I know a good amount of you want to work on your marriage. However, before we start there, let's start by building up that confidence and self-worth. I'm going to help you reclaim your identity. Starting August 1st, I'm running the Reclaim Your Identity Challenge. I will be live every single week in this group, teaching you skills on how to reclaim your identity, which will make you an exceptional mom, an exceptional wife, and duh, a complete badass. For the entire month of August, we are all doing a challenge together. The lady who is the most interactive will be our winner and will receive a one-hour private coaching call with me. This is a $300 value. How awesome is that, right? All you have to do is join my private free Facebook group. Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash empowered and unapologetic. And be sure to invite your friends. Coaching calls will be every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You do not want to miss this. This will only happen for this month and only the women in the private free Facebook group will have access. So don't let anybody else take your seat. I want to see you this Wednesday live. So I know for clinicians, if you're looking for a clinician, you can go on psychology today and you can read our bios and get a feel for who we are, what we specialize in, Mm -hmm. um, and what we don't specialize in, what our rates are. Is there anything like that for this doctor? So I don't think so. Not at all. Um, but there are organizations. So like, um, I work as a medical director for a compounding pharmacy called Belmar Pharma Solutions. It's one of the well, most well-reputed and nationally recognized in the country. And oftentimes we get patients who call in today and say, hey, is there somebody in my area that you would recommend? Because if they're compounding hormones or doing those kind of things, they're probably more open and more integrative. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes finding, like you can reach out to Belmar Pharma Solutions, even if you go to drhotflash.com. Um, in the back of my book, it has also ways of looking for through different organizations to find doctors like um, agemed.org is um, so it's so agemed.org. They specialize in conferences for clinicians who do this kind of work and they often have resources on how to find doctors. And um, good news is, I mean, today's day and age, even if someone's not in your direct back backyard, if you want hormonal management, and like people can see my practice and Mike's um, group that works with me, telephonically now we can manage hormonal medicine that way so there's so if you dr hotflash you can find my clinic too and if people want to talk to us we're happy to help see patients or guide them um so there's many ways to find folks but you just need to find the right places like and who's going to be doing those kind of things but unfortunately it would be great if we had something like psychology right i mean but we don't it's just too massive i mean the sheer numbers of clinicians are tremendous So you keep on mentioning the word clinician. So for me, a clinician is somebody who's a licensed social worker, psychologist, marriage and family therapist. And then we have what I term as physicians, which are people who've practiced, you know, family medicine or or medicine. Um, 
So what, what's your definition? Cause I'm hearing clinician. So, yeah. So I usually interchange like clinician or provider because I recognize that there are MDs and DOs who are the primary physicians. That those are the degrees that you get from medical. You can either be a doctor of osteopathic medicine or a doctor of allopathic medicine. Those are your two biggies. There are also naturopathic physicians. So that's another, so those folks often, they're very integrative. They're trained to be integrative functional medicine kind of clinicians, but they don't have this exactly the same um, authorities with like surgeries and various other things as MDs and DOs, but they're very well qualified in, in herbal medicine, natural medicine, functional medicine. They can often, they well, quite a few of them do thyroid. Very, I mean, they do great thyroid management overall and hormonal management. So naturopathic physicians fall in that place. Then you also have NPs, nurse practitioners, who I think are very well suited for this type of medicine. And even in my practice, um, at our most number of clinicians, I had 15 of them and 12 of them were nurse practitioners, mm-hmm. but they were all trained by me and under me. Um, and then you have physician assistants who are, were closely supervised by physicians who can, but they typically go into more surgical professions, but not always. But so I look at kind of clinicians as that whole group there. And then I, our allied health professionals, and that's where I would lump in psychologists and all this. So it's just mm-hmm. in some ways semantics, but. I'm looking more as clinician as someone has the ability to write and prescribe um, hormones or various other things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Just, just so everybody's clear too. I'm so glad (laughs) you broke it down. It's confusing for a lot of people. Yes. Yes. So you are a DO. Can you give us your medical background? I mean, I know I gave it in the intro, but what makes you qualified? <laughs> well, uh, as a so osteopathic and allopathic, so MDDOs, they get very similar training. Um, we have same rigor, same board certifications. We can do everything from surgery to cardiology. Yep. So the practice of medicine, really, they're identical. Where they go um, a little bit different is the osteopathic medicine is really more about a philosophy and an additional training. So osteopaths tend to look at more whole body integration and medicine. That's our tenant of training where MD allopathic tends to be more segmented. But also um, when I start thinking about osteopathic, we also get additional training and how body alignment is so important for all body functions. So in other words, we learn, and it equates similar to chiropractic medicine, but it's very much more detailed and more um, fulfilled in a more broader category. So we get osteopathic manipulation training. So I think this is my personal, and I have lots of wonderful <laughs> MD colleagues and friends. I just think DOs, we get a little added X or something, something. And we have a more integrative philosophy just based on our training. So um, so I, I think DOs are really great primary. They tend to also go more into primary care specialties and tend to be more open-minded. And I guess I'm overgeneralizing. Like I said, I have wonderful MD friends who are very open and integrative and all those things. But it's the mindset of the training going in though. Yeah, no. So that's so I did my medical school as an osteopath, then I did an MD residency in internal medicine, but then I did a fellowship in women's health and spent the next 20 plus years of my career learning everything I could about hormonal health. Um, I had an opportunity um, for 10 years to work at Procter & Gamble to help them try and launch a testosterone patch for women. And through that experience, I learned a lot about hormones and also got to meet world's leading experts in female sexual health and function and just soaked up all this knowledge and information that I could and have wonderful mentors through that process and learning. So it was, it was a godsend. And then I translated it into clinical practice after I left P&G. So. 
Okay. So in other words, ladies, if you ever questioned or doubted her level of expertise, <laughs> she knows her, she knows her shit. She knows her shit. Yeah. I'm not dabbling in this. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm knee deep in, as you say, knee deep in the shit. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's right. So what, what advice would you give us? So me included, what advice? So I'm 42 years old. Um, I gave you a, a quick rundown of the things um, that I'm I'm working on. What advice would you give me? So one, obviously, I need to find a new doctor, and I need to find out if you and I can connect <laughs> privately. <laughs> but, but what would what would you what advice would you give me or another woman that's around the same age? Again, thirty five to forty five is the general age of our, our listeners. So first up, so a couple of steps. Number one, trust yourself, trust your body, know if something's wrong. And if you think something's wrong, there probably is. Number two is that oftentimes as we get older, we start to assume that this is our new normal and we get very stoic about it. Yeah. Um, that you do not have to accept being apathetic or that you, because I hear this all the time. Oh my God, I have a great husband and great kids. I have mm-hmm. money. I've got everything I would want, mm-hmm. but why am I unhappy? If you're feeling that apathy, it's likely a testosterone deficiency. I mean, there certainly could be other things going into that and relationships and various other things, but we're not supposed to get apathetic, dull and stoic and move through life suffering. So if you're starting to feel that way, question why. And in particular, if it's in your thirties and forties, because hormones are probably at play there. Um, So not accepting the status quo of the insidious apathetic kind of nature that just tends to overtake our bodies. And then I would just say, make sure that you take the time for yourself and everything in life, but in particular to seek the answers um, that you may need and, and, and don't stop until you get them. I love that. And if for any reason, it sounds like if for any reason you feel like you're not being cared for the way you want to be cared for, we got to find another doctor, right? Trust your instincts. We're often dead on. So Another question, um, what happens, so let's say we're bouncing from doctor to doctor. How do we ensure that our new doctor has all of our information, all of our history? <laughs> That's where it's really important. Number one is to always have, make sure that they do a medical records and get everything transferred. But I'm going to tell you from my own personal experience, I very rarely read those documents yeah, myself. Yeah. Because it just takes, I mean, doctors are very busy and trying to get through the day and to sit down, unless there's some compelling case that's really complex or I'm doing it as a favor for a friend or a family, I very rarely will go big dig in that deep. So what I would encourage people to do is keep your own um, records. Also try to create little synopses or timelines. And some people think that this is neurotic and crazy, but I don't. I like when people are organized and they can walk in with a couple sheets of paper that says, these are the meds that I'm on. These are my allergies. These are the significant, I mean, read or digest bullets of things that have happened to you in your medical history so that I can within like five seconds, look at something and get a complete look at somebody's medical history and, and, and use that information usefully instead of having to dig through charts and all those things. Mm-hmm. And it also when people come to see me, any recent blood work is also really helpful or imaging or things that they can have. And I, cause people often we go get these tests done, but they don't ask for their own records and they're sitting up in, in cyberspace and you have no idea what they really said or if everything's okay. And then what if you, you need that information. You're just assuming everything's okay. Yeah. So make sure you keep, keep copies of your important things and create a binder. Like uh, this is a me binder. This is what's happened to me. 
Yeah. And that binder is extremely important, extremely important so we can go back and, mm-hmm. you know, provide information to um, health professionals. I love that. I Everything you're saying, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful we got it. We, we were able to come on. So if somebody does want to work for you, um, not work for you, work with you, I mean, they want might want to work for you to pay for you, but, <laughs> but let's say if somebody does want to work with you. Do we have to be in the same state? Because I mean, I, you already have a patient right here with me. Oh, you're so but sweet. Do they have to? Do they have to be in the same state? What does this look like? So now that there's new, the current telemedicine laws, and they can change. So right now with COVID, they've kind of re- taken off some restrictions. So we can often speak to people from any state across the country and get uh, prescriptive authorities and various other things. In an ideal scenario, obviously, we'd love to see somebody at least once a year if we could and then do telephonic stuff in the middle. But we can manage folks telephonically with certain restrictions based on telephonic laws. Those may change, but for as of right now, we're okay to do a lot of that kind of medical management with appropriate um, historical things, medical records, labs, and various other things to help guide and drive us. So if folks want to do that, I mean, if you go, my website is actually a host of information and conduit. So it's Dr. Hotflesh, drhotflesh.com. And there you'll see at the bottom, it has a link to my clinic where I have practitioners working with me. And then there's also links to my book. And then there's, um, if medical professionals want to learn more about this type of medicine, I do training. So there's that kind of link there as well. Tons of blogs, articles. So it's a host of information that can help you. And then um, it's also important to note too, that just one little thing is that there's also an attack going on right now to try to eliminate compounded hormones and it will disproportionately affect women. So I know we're wrapping up on our time, but I encourage your listeners also to go to a website called compounding.com. And there, it will tell you more about the historical attempts by Big Pharma and the FDA right now to shut down our needs of hormones. So um, I think it's important that people come educated before it's too late and learn what they can do to intervene and help. And there will also be more links and information to people in my space of medicine as well. So we, some of those things will be give patients a lot, a lot of information to work with. It sounds like you and I are going to be recording another episode to talk about <laughs> hormone health. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love to because there's yeah. a big attack going on right now and women are going to be the losers if this goes through. So. Yeah, I agree. So where can we find you? You gave us your website. Are you on social media? Are you on any other? Dr. Hot Flash, my social media site. Um, I I'm part, I do have, apparently, you know, this is so bad. I, I have an Instagram page and I'm a publicist and all those things manage it. <laughs> I, I, I'm a little bit more old school, but typically with Facebook, you can, my website, again, is a lot of conduits. Um, and we do a lot of webinars and various other things. Um, you can go to the Hormonal Health Institute, which also has another whole host of information and webinars that people could listen to. And um, so... I've not been very good on my social networking following, (laughs) professional, but people like yourself, maybe I could learn more from as well. I got you. I got you. We'll do an even trade. (laughs) Well, maybe it won't be even. (laughs) And that's how you're doing wonderful retreats. (laughs) Thank you. So a question I often ask all my guests is what advice would you give to the mom who feels stressed and disconnected? Oh, then there's so many of them. Um, unfortunately, as hard as this is to do, you have to de- disconnect. 
even if it's just going, if you have the ability just to go to a wellness retreat or a spa or something that you can do something for your uniquely yourself, or if it's as simple as just going and doing a yoga class by yourself or, or getting away for a day to go read a book. I mean, you have to disconnect because if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't properly take care of others. So you need to fill your gas tank and whatever looks, whatever you can afford in that manner and whatever looks and feels good to you, do it. Take time for yourself. I love it. I love it. It's so true. It's so true. It impacts everything. Dr. DeRosa, you have been absolutely amazing. I'm going to keep you on after I hit stop recording because I, I have more questions. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. You've given us like a wealth of information. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. I love having the opportunity to blab whenever I can. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Many women lose their own identity in the shadow of being a mom and a wife. We are a community of women who support each other. We leave perfectionism behind to become empowered and unapologetic. I want to personally invite you to join our girl gang. It's a free Facebook community for women just like you. Go to www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash empowered and unapologetic. See you there. What's up, ladies? Just want to let you guys know that your ratings and reviews for this podcast are greatly appreciated. If you love this podcast, please go to iTunes right now, write a review, rate the episode, and subscribe. Don't forget to share it with your friends. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like 
why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there. Hey there. This is Casey McGuire Davidson, host of the Hello Someday podcast. I'm an ex-red wine girl turned life coach who helps busy women change their relationship with alcohol. I spent 20 years climbing the corporate ladder while drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. In the Hello Someday podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst case scenario to the best decision of your life. You can find new episodes of the Hello Someday podcast every Thursday, wherever you listen. And I hope you check it out. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.